The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 1. We're going to start there and go to a few different places. So I was praying and thinking last night just about what we would talk about and we're looking ahead. We can remember in 2018 all these good things that God has done for us and in us and through us. And as we look ahead to 2019 and we think about whose we are and who we are in Christ, the people of Temple Bible Church, we have always been a people who are for the glory of God. And we glorify God by making disciples. That's who Temple Bible Church is. That's who we are. And so, about the last 10 years, about the last nine years, as we've talked about how we glorify God by making disciples, we've done that through the lens of these three core values that we have. Personal surrender to Jesus, authentic biblical community, and then living sacrificial lives on mission. As we've talked about that, we kind of shorten it to talk about surrender, community, and mission. And, and we're going to talk about those things, but we're not going to talk about those and leave the one big thing implicit because we do these three things because of one focus and one passion and one desire and one longing and one treasure, and His name is Jesus. And we spent about 40 weeks in John inviting us together to look, to come and see Jesus, our Savior and our King. And then at Christmas, we, we were looking at the King and we embrace surrender to Him and a new community and mission because of Jesus. So before we talk about surrender, community, and mission, just kind of a reminder of three things from the book of John. When we think about who Jesus is, and the first is that He is in fact the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is Jesus. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. He was the Word God spoke, and without Him was not anything made that was made, and in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and this Word of light, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and then this Word, verse 14 says, became flesh and made His dwelling among us, that this Jesus came incarnate down to earth to live, to experience humanity, fully man and fully God. He lived among us, and He lived and died for our sins and rose from the dead. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And and John says, we've seen His glory. The glory of the one and only from the Father. And then verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known or explained Him. You want to know what God is like? You look to Jesus, the Word. But He wasn't just the Word. He's also the way. He tells his disciples in John 14, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they say, show us a way. And he says, I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life and no man comes to the Father but through me. And so if you don't know Jesus today, as you start this new year as the way to relationship with God, he's the only way and you need to know him. And you need to know him even in a culture that says there ought to be many ways and there can't just be one way. Jesus says he's a way. G.K. Chesterton said it like this. He says, I'm not going to complain to God 
that there aren't two doors to heaven. I'm going to thank Him that there's one. And that one is Jesus, and it's only Jesus, our Savior and our King. He's the Word, He's the way, and in fact, He is the one. Uh, Toward the end of John, we quoted it over and over and over, John 20, 31. These things are written, the entire book, it's written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the one that we have been waiting for. He's the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. And so because of Him, this Jesus in whom we must believe, and as we do have life in His name, He gives these values their value. See, their core values because of Jesus. There are lots of people who will surrender for lesser things this year that will fade away next year. There are lots of people who will join some sort of unlasting communities that will be broken apart. And there are lots of people that will go on some sort of insignificant mission that won't have eternal value. But Jesus gives value to our surrender, to our community, to our mission. So he's the reason that a guy in the middle of cancer and kidney stones would call us to say, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruits be on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, and the field yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's and He makes me tread on high places. It's because of Jesus that our pastor would have called us to proclaim this reality in good years and in hard years. So we want to do that as people who are surrendered and in community and on mission with Him. So turn to Luke chapter 9, and we're going to talk about personal surrender. That's where we're going to start. We're going to start with surrender because that's where it starts. If you're going to be in relationship with Jesus, you're going to be surrendered to him. That's what he told his disciples. Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. So you're denying your very self and take up his cross daily. So you've surrendered, but then of course, you're going to have to surrender daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You can hear that and go, I don't know if I want to give my very self. I don't know if I want to lose my life. But then he says, well, what what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits him? His very self or his very soul. He says, if, if you lay yourself down, you surrender to me, I'll give you this new, real, eternal, abundant, and true life. But you have to surrender. You have to surrender. You give up your very self. So let me ask you, how many, how many in the room? Serious question here. You own a cell phone. Raise your hand. Some of you, right? How many of you own what we like to call in America a television set, right? And we go through life thinking actually that we own all of these things, right? When in reality, we don't own any of these things. Because we've given all we have, all we are, all we hope to be to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I've forgotten that once, right? We forget that daily, and so we have to daily surrender that all we have, all of our personal property, all that we are, our identity, and all that we hope to be 
It's given over to him and surrender. Our job, our agenda, our time, our passions, our dreams, our hopes, our children, our fears. And we say loudly and plainly that we lay down our rights and we wave a white flag in surrender. And we do that because we have surrendered to him as king. We've said, yes, you're my king. So every daily decision after that then is given in surrender. When I saw that, that sign reminding us to pray... January 13th, I thought of another January 13th, 20 years ago, 1999, in Bridge City, Texas, where I was looking the most beautiful, sandy-haired, green-eyed girl in the world, right in the eyes. And I said, I'd really, really like you to marry me. She said, yes. So, I don't wake up today and wonder, am I going to love Laura Bowers today? Because we said yes 20 years ago. Now, that means sometimes we got to wake up and say yes over and over again. And you can imagine living with me, that's a lot of surrender. We do this joking, but sometimes I think she might have thought I was serious. I used to sing this song to her. There's this old song called, If I Have to Beg. It says, I know you want to leave me, but I refuse to let you go. And I would kick off my shoes and start dancing on the tile floor, singing that like crazy. I thought last night, should I do that for you? But it felt like that was more 1230 than the Spirit of God. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but see, we, we surrender. There's no way out for us. I don't have to beg. We're together. We've said yes. So we're saying yes over and over and over again. When we put our yes on the table that first time, what that meant is that over and over again, we put our yes on the table for one another. So see, when we surrender to Jesus... Initially, when we come into the kingdom, over and over and over, we're a people surrendered to him. It's a done thing. It's given to him. So a question, really, that I would ask is, is, what's, is there an area of life? Are there multiple areas of life that maybe you'd need to wave a white flag to him? Is it an, an area of your agenda? Is it an area of your schedule? Is it an area of time? Is it an area of your pocketbook? Is there a relationship that you need to mend? Is there a relationship that you need to end? Is there forgiveness you need to ask for or forgiveness you need to extend? Is there an area of surrender? Is there someone you just really honestly know, man, I got to tell this person about Jesus and I'm just scared to death to do that. And, and this year is the year of Surrender. Is it a neighbor that you need to love well and serve well and be kind to? Is it a mission that you need to give to? How would God have you die to yourself this year? And if you wonder, is there an area of my life where I'm not surrendered? What would that look like? You just think, who's on the throne? Who's ruling and reigning? Is this area of my life really given over to truly to the agenda, the revealed will of God in Scripture as Jesus says? Or am I really claiming this one for for me? I haven't really put my yes on the table there and given it all to him. Because if you've truly surrendered, you're going to say yes. I was on uh, on Instagram this week, and one of my uh, one of my daughter's friends, a, a man who grew up at TBC and is now at college, he was at a conference called Passion that a lot of students were at. There were four or five conferences this. Last week, that college students were at about 90,000 total, if you spread across the different conferences, all about God's heart for the nations, which really excites me when I think about the future of the church. But I was sending messages back and forth to this young man, and I said, you know what, in 1997, 
Miss Bowers went to the first Passion, and I went to the second one in Passion 98, and it so profoundly encouraged us. We're so excited for you, and he sent back. But I remember that first Passion, Louis Giglio, a much younger and thinner Louis Giglio, no offense if you're listening today, Louis, said Isaiah 268, which is the heartbeat of passion. And it says, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you, for your name and even your renown or the memory of your name or your fame. This is the desire of our souls. And he stopped and he said, see, that that starts with yes. And if there's no yes, then we really can't call him Lord. So is there an area of surrender? Is there an area of surrender because we value surrender to Jesus because of who Jesus is. We value surrender and then we value authentic biblical community. When I was thinking about what to talk to you about on, on authentic biblical community, I, I went to this real original place called the Temple Bible Church website. And I just read this little paragraph that I so love. It says, Jesus says that in the world, that the world will know we are his believers by our love for one another. The night before he dies, he says, here's how they're going to know that you're my disciples. There's a tax collector there next to a religious zealot, and they don't like each other naturally, but they love each other in Christ. There's a really rich guy there, and then there's a poor fisherman. They never naturally would have come together, but they're together there in Christ. And he says, this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. By your love for one another. By your love for one another. It goes on to say, he calls us to share life together in authentic biblical community. Where we can live out the one another's of scripture. Love one another. Bear with one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Bear the burdens of one another. We can live out the one another's of Scripture before a watching world. And one example of how this looks is found in Acts chapter 2. Jesus has risen from the dead and the the disciples are there and Peter preaches this really amazing message and 3,000 people come to know Christ. And it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. They had authentic biblical community. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And when I read that late last night, I just said, Lord, because of your work through Temple Bible Church and other churches in our community, would all for Jesus come upon the souls of Central Texas in 2019? Because biblical community is one of the greatest evangelistic tools that God has. All who believed were together. They were together and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So it's authentic biblical community. And this authentic biblical community had a profound effect on them. See, authentic is a word that we love in our culture, but here's what authentic means in our culture. Your right to be authentic means just you be you, and nobody can tell you anything you're doing is wrong. And if what you're doing, if they say it's wrong, they're judging you, which is not judging you. That's way different. That's just telling you you're doing something wrong, right? 
Because otherwise, we would just all live with indiscriminate affirmation and nobody would ever do anything wrong. And that works out real well until somebody wants to steal your car, right? See, but authentic community that's biblical means that there are people that you know they're with you. I, lo- I looked at two or three couples last service, and I can look at two or three couples right now that I know, no matter what my wife and I walk through, they're with us. But I also know that if, if they need to call us on the carpet, they're going to do it. If they need to say, what in the world are you doing? They're going to do it. And I don't know about you, but I like that because biblical community has rescued me from a thousand stupid decisions. It's helped me turn back in the midst of many dumb, dumb, unwise, unbiblical, ungodly choices. It's kept me from foolishness. See, biblical community isn't static, it's shaped. And you might hear that and go, yeah, but I'm really not into it. And I mean, it's not like community can change my heart. But what I would say is that actually biblical community can help you see what a new normal looks like. It can help you to not be conformed to this world, but it can help you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you live out the one another's together in the context of small groups serving and loving and caring because biblical community, it stands in stark contrast to the extreme individualism in our culture. That's the authentic our culture talks about. Let me just be me and do whatever I want. And biblical community says you be you, surrendered and surrendering to Jesus daily in the context of a loving people. And I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that. Biblical community changes you so that you're not as concerned about how many likes you get. You're not burdened by that, hell. But rather, you're wondering, today, is there really a way that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth can be pleasing to God? Can we do that together? See, it's to love and to serve and to forgive in such a way that people wonder. Well, those people are different. Like, they don't hate and fight with one another. They really actually love one another. Now, I don't know about you. I'm sure in our culture, everybody's so kind, it wouldn't have much of an effect. But there are some cultures where that might look a little different, maybe. I don't know. See, it's a pathway to evangelism that can't be ignored. And when I was thinking about this last night, I just stopped and praised God because I was thinking, what are my examples? And I had four from the last two weeks of people just loving my family well. About two weeks ago, my wife was hosting something for work in our kitchen sink, which is kind of right in the middle of our house, just had a leak. And it wasn't going to work. And I'm, I'm as good at fixing kitchen sinks as I am at styling hair. Why are you laughing at that? Um, so I texted a, a plumber in our body who's a friend of mine, and he was it's at night, he's holding his baby, sends me a picture, he's holding his baby, and he sends me pictures of sinks and what to do to fix it. But again, I'm as good at fixing sinks as I am at styling hair, so couldn't get it fixed that night. So the next day, I, I thought, man, maybe I just need to change this sink. And so I called Shannon Sword, who is the Mr. Fix-It of the TBC staff, and said, hey, Shannon, I... Does this make sense? Probably I need this done tonight. I should just replace this sink. And you know what Shannon did? He goes, man, I got about two free hours. Why don't I just come over and I'll replace the sink for you? I was like, are you serious? You can do that in two hours? Because I looked at my watch and I thought, man, that would take me about three and a half weeks, right? 
And he comes over and just serves us. He just serves us. And then two days before Christmas, we get a knock on the door, and two doors down from us are Warren and Beth Proctor. And Beth had come to give our family cinnamon rolls. And let me just tell you, her cinnamon rolls are awful. If she gives them to you, bring them to me, and I will suffer for Jesus. You do not want them. I'll eat them. And I just said, hey, Beth, we didn't bite you in, but most of us are sick right now. I don't want you to get sick. And she goes, oh, no worries. Doorbell rings an hour and a half later. I go to the door. Beth's at our driveway, and she goes, hey, I just left you some chicken and rice soup because you're sick. Now, she's a lady in America two days before Christmas, which I've heard can be a busy time. I'm, I'm not sure. But she just stops what she's doing to love our family. And we didn't call it chicken and rice soup. We called it time because it healed all wounds in our house. It was amazing. We just love so well. Love so well. And then this morning, I'm in my office just looking over my notes, and one of the guys on staff, Dave Tate, comes by. And Dave's got a ton going on this morning. He's starting a new series in high school that's going to rock out. If you're in high school, you ought to be part of that and hearing it. And he said, hey, man, when we found out you were preaching last night, Courtney and I um, took a walk around our block just to pray for you and, of course, to pray for Gary. And so I want to pray for you this morning. I just thought, man, yeah, I really love, love being in a community of people who love each other. And do we, do we do it perfect? Of course not, or otherwise we wouldn't need King Jesus, right? But I, I don't know if you're in biblical community, but I'll just tell you, there's this, this guy that leads my kid's school named Brett who, who is a TBCer, and he loves this quote, no man is an island. Now see, we weren't meant to be islands. And I, I kept thinking about that last night as my wife and I are celebrating 20 years later this year, and we're going to do something for a few days away from the five kids that we love. And I started looking, I'd heard about this island in the Caribbean, and I started looking at it, and it Everywhere I looked, it said, this resort is closed until further notice due to storms. See, when storms come along, islands tend not to do very well. And when the storms of life come along, islands tend not to do very well. But in the context of community, it doesn't mean the storms aren't coming. They're coming. But in the context of community, there's love, there's support, there's care, there's help to get through the storm. So what's the next step for you? Or maybe the first step, is it being part of a small group? Or are you in a small group and your small group's grown and you love each other and you don't want to get apart, but then you think, man, we've got to multiply. There are other people who need this and maybe God would lead you to start a small group. And if you wonder, well, what's a small group like? Again, January 20th, there's TBC introductions. You can come and find out what it looks like to be in community at TBC. But man, being part of this community of the King is just so amazing. And honestly, if you're surrendered to him, then you will be in community. Because you can't love one another if there's no one another, right? You can't serve one another if there's no one another. So there's surrender, and then there's community, and then there's sacrificial missional living. Jesus said in John 20, 21, he said, As the Father sent me, so I send you. God has always been a sending God, even pre-fall. He created Adam and Eve, and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He was sending them. And he said to Abram, go forth from your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. He was sending him. 
And then when Israel was enslaved in Egypt, he sent Moses to be a deliverer. And then he sent David to be a good shepherd and on and on and on. And ultimately then he sent Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who's the risen line of Judah, who says, I send you just like the Father sent me. And oh, by the way, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth as you go make disciples. So as the Father sent me, so I send you. So we are a people on mission. And here's this reality. God's plan for the evangelization of Central Texas is sitting in your seat this morning. God's plan for the evangelization of Central Texas is sitting in this room and in rooms just like this one all across our city and Belton and other small towns in Central Texas. There is no plan B. We are it. And by the way, God's plan for the evangelization of the world is sitting in this room as well. He calls us on mission, and the mission is to make disciples. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And if Gary were here today, he would tell us, you know what that Greek word all means? All. All authority. All authority. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's the mission. You make disciples for the glory of God. Teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And oh, by the way. I'm with you always. See, that's how we're able to go to our workplace and share the gospel. That's how we're able to go to our neighbors. That's how we're able to go to our friends. That's how we're able to go wherever he would lead us to go. Because when Jesus calls us to himself, he calls us to surrender. He calls us to community and he calls us to mission, to be collective co-laborers with Christ. So in this moment, are you living for yourself? Are you living for some small temporal ambition? Are you living sacrificially for mission and vision larger than yours could ever be? So the question is, who might God have you share the gospel with in January? And your answer might be, I don't know. And, and my follow to that is, is, I'd love you to please hear me, that I believe God would have you share the gospel with someone in January. Because gospel is good news. I mean, it's really, really good news, right? Texas beat Georgia. Good news, right? Just in case you're wondering, in case anybody forgot. It's nothing. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's risen, and he says, I am making all things new. That's how the book ends, right? That's good news. So yes, he would have us share that Good news. You might be so nervous about that. That might make you sweat under the arms. And the good news is it's not about you and your abilities and gifts. It's about God speaking through you and His transformative power by His Holy Spirit. What missionary might He have your family support? Might He lead your family to give a year, two years, four years, ten years among the least reached peoples on the earth? All of a sudden, sharing the gospel with your friends sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? But see, he has authority to call you and me to go wherever he would have us to go and be whoever he would have us to be for his glory. And he calls us to surrender in community and mission. What he's doing is he's really calling us just to be the people of the king. Just to be the people of the king. So turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. <laughs> And let's just be reminded of what it looks like to be the people of the king. First Peter chapter 1, he's telling God's people to be sober-minded and on the alert. 
He tells them to be holy because God is holy. And he says, conduct your lives in reverent fear. And the reason he tells them to conduct their lives in reverent fear is he said, because you call Father, one who judges impartially, and you've been ransomed, not by silver or gold or other perishable things. You've been ransomed by the blood of a lamb, Jesus. And he's given you a new life, freed you from your old life. He's brought you into this love with your brothers, this new community. So he says, put away all these sinful things. And then he, he spends a couple of verses talking about people who don't know Jesus. But then he says, you, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. He's actually, he's quoting an Old Testament verse when God was calling the Israelites out of Egypt. He says, you're for me and I, you're my people. You're the people, I'm your king, I'm your God. And, and you're distinct. You're the people of the king. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We belong to him. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of his darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles or the pagans honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. See, the people of the king surrender to Jesus because they belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. Can you imagine the God who made the heavens and Christ looks at you and looks at me and says, you're mine. You're mine. And he's happy about it. See, we were children of wrath, even as the rest. We were dead in sin and we've been made alive with God in Christ Jesus. And Tim Keller asked the question, what kind of person goes at 2 a.m. to ask a king for a drink of water and the answer is a child of the king see we belong to him so much that we can enter the throne of grace with confidence to find help in our time of need we belong to him we are the people of the king he says you're mine you're mine and we've been called out of darkness in the light. So the people of the king surrender to Jesus because they belong to Jesus. And the people of the king live in biblical community because they've been called into the kingdom, a group of people of the son he loves. And Peter quotes Hosea. We, we studied Hosea just a while back in that series. We learned one of Hosea's children through Gomer was called not my people. And he says, once you were named not my people, but now you are my people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you've been called into this new kingdom. You've been transferred, Colossians says, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So it's different. And you're excited about it and you live in community together. My daughter, Maddie, is home and she goes to the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville and she loves it. So what's it like? She said, it's a great dad. They actually have four seasons up there. It's really cool. And I said, is there anything you don't like? And she said, oh, yeah. Well, they don't have queso. And I said, what? I mean, it's the 21st century, right? She said, well, they have this stuff called cheese dip, but it's not queso. It's like something you buy at the store and dump out of a jar. And I just thought, can you imagine what it's like for somebody when they move to Arkansas and go to a Mexican restaurant, move from Arkansas, they go to a Mexican restaurant in Texas for the first time and have queso? 
What is this goodness? This is the land flowing with milk and honey. Everything is bigger and better here. Oh! See, and that's just a move from Arkansas to Texas. We have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. I thought that illustration would work better with Oklahoma, but I didn't go there, right? Into the kingdom of the son he loves. So we are the community of God's people together. And it ought to look so bright and so beautiful so that when people see us loving and serving and forgiving one another, they just go, oh, man, that's what that looks like. I, I want like, I want that. I want that. I, I, I got to be part of that. And the people of the king live lives on mission for God because they've received mercy from God. So the love of Christ compels us. The people of the king live lives on mission for God because they've received mercy from God. You once were not a people, now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have. Therefore, live such good lives. Therefore, live such good lives. See, these core values, they cause people to recognize that we've been with Jesus. That's what happened in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John, they're walking to the temple. And there's this guy there, and, and he can't walk, but he also doesn't have food to eat. And he asks him for alms. He asks him for money. And Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And the authorities are so angry that they made a guy who couldn't walk, walk. And so they, they tell him you can't do that anymore, which was really, really silly because they were going to do that a lot more. Because they had surrendered to Jesus and they're in a new community and then now they have this mission to make disciples. And, and Peter just says, you, are you upset because we made a lame man walk? Let me just make it real clear. There's salvation. There's salvation in no one else. There's no other name whereby we must be saved, but the name of Jesus. You might be here and new today, and 2,000 years later, that's still true. If you don't have salvation in Jesus, he offers salvation, but he's the only one, the only way. There's no other name. And then it says the authorities. The authorities saw their boldness. They saw their love for one another. They saw their love for this man. They saw their lack of fear for mission. And it says they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So in your home or a place of work or your school or your friend group or your neighborhood, they see, they see people that are just so loving and so kind and so gentle and so caring and so sacrificial and they can't stop talking about Jesus. No, that, well, they've been with him. That's something different. Because Jesus is bigger and more beautiful than all the brokenness the world brings at us. So that we can be the sort of people for whom the presence and the power and the promises and the provision of God are greater than any problem or obstacle we might face. We've seen and tasted Christ so much so that in 2019 we can say, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, nor the produce of the olive fail, or the fields yield no food, or the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls yet I will rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'll take joy in the God of my salvation because he set my feet on a rock. He set our feet on a rock. And that rock's name is Jesus. And so we can live as surrendered people in community on mission together. 
for him because we've received mercy and we continue to receive mercy that's new every day from him. So what I want us to do is just take a few moments where you just still yourself before the Lord and ask, what's that next step of surrender? What's that next step toward community or maybe the first step toward biblical community? How can I live on mission in 2019? Just take a few moments to pray and then I'll close this. Father, that's our prayer. We exalt in you no matter what happens. We surrender to you no matter what happens because we belong to you. God, we thank you that there's this reality that we are your people. And you've seated us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus so that in the age to come, you might show the surpassing riches of your kindness to us in Christ when, when we're already receiving all these amazing surpassing riches of your kindness to us. So God, as the sun rises on a new day tomorrow and a new day Tuesday, Lord, let it be a new day of surrender and a new day of mission, a new opportunity to love you and to love your people and to share the truth about Jesus with a world that so desperately needs to hear the truth about Jesus. So God, we pray that, that you would move in us in such a way for your glory and for our joy in our city and in the world that, that we could really look back on 2019 in awe of those you've added to our number, new brothers and sisters in Christ, or the way you've transformed our lives as a community loving and serving and caring for one another of a people who are bent on mission with God. Lord, we need you for it. You're our only hope. You're the word, you're the way, and you're the one. And so thank you for this life you've given us in your name. Let us live that life this year, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.